Hey, Grace Hill. Hope you guys are doing well. Sorry about that. We had a little technical challenge there at the end of worship, but that's okay. We'll close out our time in some singing as well. Hey, I hope you guys are doing uh, really good this morning. My name is Alan. If I've never met you, I'm one of the pastors here at Grace Hill Church and just excited to be able to share God's word with you uh, this morning. And so before we get started, though, I wanted to tell you about something that I'm actually really excited about that we're going to start doing uh, again. So tomorrow at noon, Monday at noon on Facebook Live and YouTube Live, we're going to be going live again doing Q&A. So if you remember over the spring, we would come on live on Mondays at noon and you could submit questions to us, whether it was from the sermon or anything else, and we would just go live and some of our pastors would sit there and we would just go back and forth, read God's word and try to answer any questions that you submit. So we're gonna start doing that again tomorrow. So if you have any questions from the sermon today or really anything else, feel free to submit those. You can go to slido.com, this should be on your screen right now, and enter in the code 917, and then you'll be able to uh, submit any questions. You can start doing that right now. You can do that later today. You can do that tomorrow during our live session, real time, if you would like. And the cool thing about Slido is that what you can do is vote on questions. So if someone else puts a question in and you really like that, want to make sure we answer it, you can like that question and then we get to see what questions people most want to be answered. So make sure you tune in live tomorrow or catch the replay afterwards and submit any questions that you have. All right, got a question for you. Did you catch the Sunday setup on Thursday? Do, do you have any idea what I'm talking about when I say the Sunday setup? Uh, this is actually something we're really excited about here as a team and that we're going to start doing as we begin a new sermon series this morning. But what we're going to start doing over this sermon series is we're going to divide every sermon into two episodes. All right. So, yeah, you heard that right. Every sermon into two episodes. Episode one we're going to broadcast live on Thursday evenings at 8 o'clock, something we're calling the Sunday Setup. It only lasts about 10 to 15 minutes, but what we're basically doing is we're going to start the sermon there. And then on Sunday mornings during our worship time, the sermon then is going to be episode 2. So don't worry if you didn't catch the Sunday Setup this past Thursday. That's totally fine. I'll make sure everybody is caught up. But I want to make sure that's on your radar for this week. Tune in Thursday nights, 8 o'clock for the Sunday setup. Or make sure you catch the replay so you can get episode one of every one of our sermons. But this week, uh, I'm real excited because we're starting a new sermon series called My Blank Home. My Blank Home. Uh, we are in month number six I believe, of this global pandemic that our entire world is experiencing and all of us basically having our entire lives consolidated into our homes. We've been spending a lot of time in our homes and with the people that we live with. And the question that we're asking in this series is, how would you describe your home after being stuck there over the last six months. How would you fill in 
the blank. How would you describe your home? How would you describe the relationships in your home? Would you say that they are more peaceful or are they more tense and stressful? How would you describe your, your marriage? Has this pandemic been good for your marriage or has it inserted more tension and stress into your marriage? Maybe you would describe your home as more lonelier now because you're there by yourself all the time. You don't live with anybody. Maybe you would describe your home as chaos because your kids are there all the time and now your home is not just your home, but it's also your kids' school and it is your place of worship and it also is your office because everything is now inside your home. Maybe you would describe your home as a place of shame because you have all these responsibilities now got to keep the house clean, you got to put food on the table, you got to now be your kid's teacher and try to work your full-time job and all of these other things. And there's so many balls in the air and you're just dropping everything and you just feel like the worst parent or the worst spouse or the worst person or coworker ever. I think that it's likely that for most of us after six months into this pandemic, we would describe our homes or the people in our homes as disappointing in some way, shape, or form. And here's what I think. I think that means that this pandemic is a huge opportunity for us. Because this pandemic did not cause all of the stress and all of the tension in our relationships or all of the feelings of bitterness or cynicism or whatever it else we might be struggling with. The pandemic isn't the cause of it, but what it did do is surface all of that stress. If there was relational tension in your home, this pandemic is probably helping to surface that tension. And so in a sense, this pandemic has done us a favor. And now we have the opportunity to deal with the relationships and the stress that exists in our homes in a way that we have not been able to do before. So we're going to deal with all different kinds of topics in this series. We're going to talk about marriage, and we're going to talk about singleness. We're going to talk about parenting. We're going to talk about conflict resolution and abuse and hospitality and, and a number of different things. So make sure that you're tuning in on Thursday nights for the Sunday setup. You're tuning in on Sunday mornings or joining us for worship when we're all together for Sunday mornings. And also make sure you submit your questions. Uh, you can go again, slido.com, enter code 917, ask any questions as we deal with all kinds of different topics. I obviously can't cover everything that could be covered during these sermons. So if you have additional questions, please submit those. We'd love to also talk about those on Monday. But this morning, as we introduce this new series, here is my goal. Very simple goal this morning, that we would all catch a vision of the kind of home that God wants us to have and that we would all believe that God can make that happen.
That's my goal this morning, that we would catch a vision for the kind of home that God wants us to have and that we would believe that God can actually make that happen. Because no matter your situation, no matter how hard it is, no matter how impossible it feels or how frustrating or stressful it is right now, there is hope for you to have a home that is marked by peace and rest and meaningful relationship and joy. And the reason that I can say that with such confidence, the reason why I believe that we all have that hope and that God can do this is because of something that Jesus says to us in the Gospel of John in chapter 14. So I want to read this a scripture real quick. This is going to be in John 14. If you have your Bible, you can open it up. And I'd like to read for us uh, several verses, verses 15 to 26. And listen what God says to us, and then we'll try to understand what it means. John 14, starting in verse 15. Jesus is teaching, and he says this, If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me. Speaking of Jesus, soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live in you, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Now Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other disciple with that name, said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? And Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. I am telling you these things now while I am with you. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. So, Jesus is teaching his disciples, and this is right before he gets arrested and is crucified and, and resurrected and ascends to be with the Father. So this is right before all of that. And here's what Jesus is saying to his disciples. He's saying, hey, I'm, I'm about to leave. 
All right, I'm going to go be with the Father in, in heaven, but I am not leaving you because the Holy Spirit, who, who is the Spirit of God, member of the Trinity, God himself, is going to come and take up residence. He's going to move in. He is going to make his home with everyone who believes and trusts in me. So if you trust in Jesus, if you believe that Jesus died in your place on the cross to pay off your debt of sin, if he has given you new eternal life, and if you follow him as your Lord and Savior and, and do what he says, obey his word, then the Spirit of God has taken up residence inside of you. And the Holy Spirit basically has two functions when he comes and makes his home inside your heart. He's doing two things. He seals you and he helps you. All right, so let's talk about both. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit acts as a deposit given to you by God, guaranteeing you eternal life in the future after this life, right? He is a seal that says you belong to God. All right, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Paul teaches us this. He says, in him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, that's Jesus, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Right? When he says promised Holy Spirit, he's referring to John 14, when Jesus gives this promise. You were sealed. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it? to the praise of his glory. So when the Spirit of God made his home in your heart, it was a permanent thing. Like you are a forgiven child of God that is never going to change. The Holy Spirit has taken up residence inside of you and he's not moving out. He is staying put for good. And the reason why this is really important for us to understand this morning is because when the Spirit of God begins his other ministry, in our life, the ministry of helping us live lives obedient to God's word, we have to understand that the spirit is in it for the long haul. The spirit of God knows that this change and transformation that happens in our lives when we come to Christ is not an overnight thing. He knows that changing our thinking and changing our habits and changing our desires and changing, changing uh, uh, what we believe in and conquering our idols and all of those things is going to be a lifetime of help and ministry in our hearts. So even though we fail often, even though we fall into sin, even though we give into temptation, even though relationships can continue to struggle, even though our marriages are still going to be a bit of a struggle, even though we continue to be discouraged because of our singleness or our place in life, or even though life continues to be really hard with whatever circumstance you're in, the Spirit of God is not going to run out of patience with us and decide to pack his bags and leave. He is inside of us and will continue to help us because God's mercies are new every morning and we can never exhaust the grace and mercy of the cross of Jesus Christ. 
So the Holy Spirit, he moves in and he seals us permanently for all of eternity. He's not leaving. And in that, he is helping us in our circumstances to trust Christ and obey his word. And this means that the Holy Spirit is up for the task of helping us have the kind of homes that God desires for us to have. And he's in it for the long haul. Because God's vision for your home is that it would be a place of refuge and joy and peace and rest, not just for you, but also for your neighbors. God's vision for your marriage is that it would display the kind of unfailing covenant love, I'm never leaving, I'm never forsaking you kind of love that Christ has shown us first. God's vision for your singleness, for however long God has that for you, is that you would be used in mighty ways for undistracted kingdom work. God's vision for your children is that they would be trained up by you so that you can release them into the world to serve and love others as Christ has loved and served you. God's vision for your home is that it would be a place of peace and safety in the midst of a world that has lost its mind. And this morning, we need to be able to walk away from this sermon convinced of that God can do this in our lives and in our homes. His spirit has taken up residence inside of you to do this, to bring this about. And I I get it. I know some of you might be rolling your eyes, maybe internally at that claim. Maybe you're in a spot right now where the tension inside of your house amongst the relationship is just at a fever pitch. And the people you live with are just impossible. Maybe, maybe you're in a place right now with your marriage where you've already decided to be done with it and you just don't want to entertain continuing to fight and continuing to struggle. Maybe your discouragement at your place in life right now is just at a place where you're tired of hoping for something better. Maybe your stress and your anxiety about life right now has gotten to a place where it's now making your body ache and be unhealthy. And here's the thing. When we read our Bibles, we read of a God that does amazing impossible things, right? I, I, I mean, things like creating the word with the, with the world with the word of his mouth or, or parting the Red Sea or, or healing diseases or raising people from the dead. Those things are not included in the Bible so that we can see how God can do these cool magic tricks. It's actually not in the Bible so that we would even think that supernatural miracles like that are, should be like the normative experience of following Jesus. No, they are in our Bibles so that we would believe that God is able to do what is impossible. They are there to declare that what is impossible for us is not impossible for God. So you're right. You might be in a spot right now in life where true change and transformation is impossible for you. 
and you're looking at it and you're saying, yeah, I don't see the path out of this. I don't see how this place becomes a place of peace, joy, and refuge. But it's not impossible for God. And his spirit has moved in to your heart to do what is impossible. But here's the other thing that these amazing miracles we read about in Scripture that we need to see. And that's this. Every single time, what does God require for him to do the impossible for us? What does God require for him to save us through the cross of Jesus Christ and apply the saving work of Jesus to our lives? What does God require for him to move on behalf of our prayers? Simple, faith. He requires faith. Faith that he's there. Faith that he's working. Faith that he's for you. Faith that he is able. Faith that his word can be trusted. Faith that he knows better than we do. Faith. And as we look back at our passage this morning in John chapter 14, what did Jesus say to us? John 14, verse 23, all who love me will do what I say because they trust me. They have faith in me and my father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. When we place our faith in God, we are expressing our trust in God. God, I trust you. And if we trust God, then we will trust his word. We'll trust what he says. We will believe that it's better for us to obey his word and trust his word than to not do so. And this is really important for us to understand when it comes to the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because yes, although the Holy Spirit is in it for the long haul, and although the Holy Spirit can accomplish the impossible inside of us, and although he will never leave us, it is possible for us to impede the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 19, he says, do not quench the Spirit. What's that, what does that mean, quench? It, it means to ex- extinguish. So think of the work the Holy Spirit's doing inside of you to bring about change and transformation. Think of that as like a fire blazing inside of you. And, and we quench the Holy Spirit. It's like throwing a bucket of cold water on it. Paul tells us in Ephesians 4, verse 30, he says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. If the Spirit is at work in you, we can grieve the Spirit by impeding its work. And that grieves the Spirit of God because He desires to do this work in you. So when we work against the Spirit, it grieves the Spirit. And so here's how we quench and grieve the Spirit of God inside of us. By not having faith that God is able and willing to do the impossible inside of us. Because the ultimate way that we express our faith and our trust in God is by following and obeying his word. God, you have told me how to live my life. You have given me all of this. And so I express my faith in you by reading this and saying, okay, I'm going to trust this even when I don't understand, even when I don't want to do the things it's telling me to do. 
I'm going to trust it because, God, I have faith in you. And that's what we're going to be doing in this sermon series. We are going to look at the word of God and we're going to seek to place our faith and our trust in what it says. So instead of trusting what the world says about your marriage and how to resolve conflict, we're going to trust what God's word has to say about it. Instead of trusting what the world says about parenting and how we should raise our kids, we're going to look to God's word and we're going to trust what it has to say. When it comes to making peace in our homes and resolving conflict and how to approach tension and stress in relationship, we're not going to deal with it the way the world does. We're going to deal with it the way God says to, because we have faith in him, not anybody else, in him. And as we seek to trust the word of God, what's going to happen is we're actually going to get out of, way, out of the way of the Holy Spirit. For him to start to do the impossible work of transformation that only he can do in our lives. And the kind of transformation that only he can do in our homes. So I don't know how you would describe your home right now. You might describe it as disappointing. You might describe it as fine. I don't, I don't know where you're at right now. But no matter where you're at, Let's dig into God's word this fall. Let's have faith in God's word. Let's commit to not quench the spirit of God and let him begin to work in ways that we never thought were possible. Over this next week, I want you to prepare your heart to enter into a season where we say, okay, God, whatever you say, I'm all in. I'm all in. Even if I don't understand, even if I don't agree, I'm going to get out of the way of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to have faith and trust in you. When it comes to my home, God, when it comes to every part of my life, God, I'm all in when it comes to what your word says. Let's give God, let's give the Holy Spirit free reign in our homes. Let's give him lordship over our lives. Let's submit to him knowing that he's good and he loves us and he'll never forsake us. And his desire is to lead us into a place where our homes are peaceful, joyful, and a refuge in this world. Let me pray for us. God, we, this morning, we just want to come to you and we want to say, God, we want to trust your word. We want to obey your word. Lord, we want you to challenge us this fall. As we think about our homes, as we think about all of the different areas of our life and all of the different ways that our life is now intersecting inside of our homes. And God, I, I know for many people it's creating stress and tension. And so God, let this be an opportunity for us to address conflict in ways that you have led us to in your word. To begin to address the issues in our marriages according to your word to submit the way we parent our kids to your word, to submit our life stage and whether we're happy with it or not happy with it to your word. And God, we pray that you would help us to get out of the way of the Holy Spirit 
as he does the work of change and transformation and bringing about peace and joy in our lives. So God, we pray that you would do just a mighty work this fall in our hearts and in our homes. We love you, God, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.